Welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast where we talk about ministry and vocation, usually here in Portland, Oregon, although today we've got a special guest not from Portland, uh, one of my best friends, Matt Hendrickson. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Hey, guys. Thanks for having hey. me. Oh, and Josh is here, too. You didn't finish the intro. Like, hey, I'm you're David. David Libby, I'm Josh Hawk. <laughs> Leave all this in, too. It's, and chore- we are- it's choreographed, guys. We'll wait for it. Exactly. Uh, and we are live. We are outside on Josh's porch. That's right. Yeah. Around the fire. Yep. Shooting the breeze, enjoying life. Yeah, there's a lot of bugs. I don't... Uh, too many. And, and I'm also... So my chair is, like, hanging over just a little bit over the edge of the porch, so if I fall, I might scream. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> sitting in a plastic chair. And I just broke the th- my third plastic chair that I broke. Not today. Right. You, you but, broke one today. Right. I just, yeah. just broke that. So we'll see how it goes. So it's making you feel good about your body, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see who falls first. Oh, this is going to be a good day. Well, uh, well, Matt, we're so excited that you're here. And we want to talk to you about um, your your ministry and the, the things that you're doing, but tell us a bit about yourself, where you come from. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was born and raised in Tacoma, Washington. Um, and, uh, at 18 had the opportunity to, um, go to college in Eugene, Oregon and, uh, moved down there. Um, it's where I met both of you guys, uh, in college. Uh, forever and a day ago. It yeah. Seems like it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about that. Yeah. It's Way actually pretty gross when you think about it because we're like pushing 20 years now. Yeah, it's getting close. <laughs> I, oh, it's 15. Yeah. Well, for you, I, I met him 16 and a half yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But, you know, again, went to school and studied business originally, um, but felt like uh, just something was calling me to do something different and had this night uh, that kind of changed my life where God kind of opened my eyes to the idea of, working with high school students, middle school students and, and telling them about Jesus. And uh, I got involved in student ministry almost right after that and switched my majors and graduated with my bachelor's in youth ministry. Uh, and uh, while I was still in school, I interned at Salem First Christian. I uh, did a commute and then I worked with a homeless youth service called Hosea. Um, and then after graduating, I got an opportunity to work uh, in my first church in downtown Portland at Portland First Christian Church, I was the youth director there for about three years, um, and then I was fired from that job and uh, bounced around, uh, not doing ministry work for a little while. After that, um, worked on a farm, worked as a custodian in a Catholic abbey um, in Mount Angel, Oregon. Uh, which was a very great place to work, actually. Um, very enlightening, too. Um, but while I was there, uh, the church that my wife and I had started going to eventually needed somebody to work with youth, and I ended up working there um, as their youth pastor for the last uh, five or six years. Uh, until last May, about a year ago, I was fired from that job, too. Um, so not having the most successful uh track run of 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 working with students but um somewhere in the middle of my involvement at new harvest that church that i was working at last uh i got involved with a nonprofit a parachurch ministry called young life um yeah. and started helping out at the local high school um with the team of leaders that was there and then 
uh, over a couple of years, the leaders that were there transitioned out and Young Life asked me to take take the, the reins of that ministry. And I, I said, sure. And um, so after being asked to step down at, at that place, I, I have kind of just fully jumped into my role at Young Life, which is volunteer. Um, I, I just recently applied to be on staff and that we're going through the approval process for that right now. But um, it's been you know, a very interesting up and down journey, but that's, that's what I do. And I'm, I'm married. I've been married for a little over 10 years. I have two little girls and we live in Salem, Salem, Oregon. Nice. Well, we have a, I mean, tons to talk about there. Um, so you were, you were planning to go into business or you, was that just a degree that you didn't know what you wanted to do? Uh, so you, yeah, it was more about, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Sure. I, I wanted to make money. Sure. I knew that. Um, well, nice. Yeah, I gave up on that dream when I started doing ministry. <laughs> I wanted to do to make money, so I yeah. wanted to church. No, work. I I did have for a very short window. Um, I I, I grew up uh, really into sports. Um, was a basketball player, soccer player, football, uh, ran cross country, and all sorts of stuff. And um, I really liked sneakers, like basketball sneakers, but uh, could never afford them. Like I've never owned a pair of Jordans, anything like that. But I've always like looked at them like, oh, I like those. And, and so I had a small window where when I was doing business in school, like I thought maybe I can like come up with like a cool business where like kids can build their own sneakers and customize them. That's affordable. I never got farther than that. I thought you were going to say you had this little window where you were going to have a business that allowed you to be able to afford sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> it, it probably would have worked both ways. That would have been pretty dope too. <laughs> yeah, I would have probably liked both of those things. But, um, you know, there there was a lot of, of stuff that happened through my my younger childhood and then um, through adolescence in my life and and um, some traumatic stuff, some heavy stuff, some difficult stuff, some, some stuff that was my own stuff I was working through. Um, and in... God was kind of really intertwined in a lot of that, and I didn't see it very clearly. But one night in college, while I was kind of really frustrated with the business course that I was on, and uh, he kind of just opened my eyes to like, man, like, don't you see that I've like equipped you through the mm-hmm. things you've been through in life? Yeah. Like, like you should be doing this. And I and I just kind of never looked back after that. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to talk about that equipping because I think you, you and youth is you and youth ministry. I, I should phrase this right. Cause it's going to sound bad if I don't, um, you and youth ministry is, is like, uh, like peanut butter and jelly. I remember you and I went to a, uh, to check out this youth group where they were, um, they were asking for volunteers and you and I went from, uh, Northwest Christian to check it out. And, um, they grabbed you for an event because you were a helper. And they said, uh, they, they took you back and you were going to put on like a show. And then the leader came up to all of us and said, okay, now when everyone comes out here, I want you to imagine them on the toilet. (laughs) And you (laughs) apparently were supposed to act like you were flying a plane. (laughs) I, I couldn't see it at all. There was no, like, there was no way to see anything besides you taking a dump like at all. And you came up to me after and I was like, what were you supposed to be doing? And, uh, you said, well, 
I was supposed to be flying an airplane, but I knew what they were doing. So <laughs> I just, yeah. I just tried to own it. And I was like, this guy knows youth ministry. That's funny. I, I, when you started telling me that story, I was like, I was, I couldn't remember what you're talking about. Yeah. And like it slowly, but surely it came to me. And I was like, Oh man, I remember that night. It was, it was a weird night. Um, yeah. I actually never ended up going back and helping out with that group. Again, no, I know. But uh, it was a learning experience. Yeah. I remember that. That's one of the things for me, people who work with youth and we see this in the church often, um, but youth is a stepping stone. Mm. Like, um, yeah, few people actually graduate with a youth ministry degree, but usually like you get a pastoral ministry degree and then you serve as a youth pastor, you know, mm. and then you become a, we were talking about this earlier, you know, a real pastor. <laughs> well, uh, and, and even the ones that do get a youth ministry degree often end up becoming pastors because youth right. ministry doesn't pay the bills. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, a, there's definitely a, a big um, discrepancy between or despair, a, a big chasm between um, salary wise of a youth pastor and a lead pastor or senior pastor. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's that's really unfortunate. And so like Matt, knowing you, listening to your heart, like, and I've always had a super high level respect for people, um, where youth ministry is, or or working with youth is is the end. Like it, it's mm. not fair for the youth, you know. If mm-hmm. you are gonna kind of work with them and say, yeah, you know, you're just a means to an end um, mm. for you know until like kind of get to the real job yeah right. um i think yeah i think what makes me different in that regard is um you know when i when i first began walking with jesus i was like it was like the summer between sixth and seventh grade um i'd, I'd been into church a couple times here and there in my life i went to catholic school for a couple of years when i was really young but no one had ever shown me Jesus or told me Jesus. Um, or, I mean, I never even had my own Bible up until that point. And I finally wow. someone had someone share the gospel with me and then show the gospel to me, like, mm-hmm. in the way they treated me. And I, that changed everything. And so when I came, um, when I came to a place where I, I, I started to try to go to church, because that happened at a summer camp. Um, and so coming back into, like, the city and, um, try to find a church like the the church that I like latched onto. Like they had turnover at the youth pastor position, and I never heard if it was like someone treating it like a stepping stone, and they got offered something bigger or better, or if it was like they got fired. Like they never explained it to us um, when a leader would leave, um, or or a different leader would would take over. And so when the first transition happened, I left, I stopped coming and by, you know, I was sticking with my, my faith and, um, trying to go to church consistently. But, um, then later on another, another guy, uh, named Bill Harrod, he's a great, great guy. He's probably one of the people I will name the rest of my life as a big influence on my life. He, he's the senior pastor at center point Christian fellowship in South Tacoma. And he, at at that time he was the guy running like he stepped in and started running the youth group there um and ended up taking uh, a knucklehead like me to mexico on a mission trip um and like my my world kind of just changed because of that like it, it, i i'm sure the the adults on that trip thought otherwise they probably hated me <laughs> but uh like that that changed the world for me and 
I just started going to to youth group as consistently as consistently as I could uh, with my sports schedule. Um, and then he ended up transitioning into a different role in the church, but didn't leave, which I think was a good transition. He he st- he stuck it out in, in a different way. And then uh, my friend John's parents, uh, Ty and Wendy Kraut, who actually live over in East Portland, um, they uh, they took it on uh, the last couple of years I was there. And, um, you know, there was just something about the way they ran things, like kind of like a family. Yeah. Like those things like really made an imprint on me. And so when I had that moment where God was like, hey, you should think about youth ministry, I was, I, like it was more of like, not only should I think about that, but I should be that youth pastor that sticks it out. I should be that youth pastor that, that doesn't leave kids hanging. Um, that doesn't leave a kid feeling like I felt, um, uh, when those, some of those transitions happened. And, you know, I, I, I wish that I could say that, yeah, I mean, as soon as I started working at church, I've been there and I've been there for the last, I mean, it's been 11, 11 and a half years since I graduated from college. And I could, you know, I'd say, uh, I'd be there for all those 11 years, but that's not the case. You know, I have been fired and I've had to transition right. in rough ways. Uh, and it's been this crazy, weird learning process. Um, but, but it's also been like, I, 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 I just, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't like to quit things. Yeah. And even, even your tenure, you know, for both of the, you know, the two churches, it's not like it was, you know, a year or 18 mm. months. Like you, You've invested for a youth pastor. It was an eternity. Yeah, like <laughs> you've invested a lot of time, you know, and um, into you know those those kids' lives. To to be clear, um, the average stay average of a youth pastor is 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 it still two years? I heard um, two last, but you that know, was a while ago. The, every single time I have that conversation, that that the average has changed. Right. It used to be two. uh, Now it's something. It's between one and three. Yeah. It's between one and three. You're right. So any, any youth leader, this lasted seven or eight years. That's eight more youth leaders that are a year or less. So it's um, to, to stick it out in youth ministry is more than rare. Mm, Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really hard to find those people and, um, there might be all kinds of reasons for it. Um, so tell us, let's, let's dig into some of your pain because that's what we do. (laughs) We, 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 we love it. Uh, I mean, technically we're about unsuccess, but really we, we want to make you bleed a little bit. Um, (laughs) we, we need to talk about getting fired Mm. as a, as a pastor, as a youth pastor, as, as someone who has poured themselves entirely into other people's lives. What do you do with that? Like, how do you, how do you deal, um, beyond that? Because you, you don't want to let go, but you've kind of been told to do so. Yeah. We, and, just the language that you use too, the the being fired bit. Like mm-hmm. we were talking with Andy recently, you know, Andy Gobo, we had him on and he's like, Yeah, I was giving in I was given an opportunity for something yeah. new. <laughs> yeah. Um and so the, yeah, the, the language nice that it. we can we can use for that, you know, but just yeah. to like to come out to own it and say like, Yep, I was fired and it's ugly, it sucked. Um yeah. so yeah, talk through yeah. that a little bit. Well, yeah, I'll 
I'll work backwards to those questions. Yeah, like the sure. the language and owning it. Like I, I don't like fluff. Yeah, and I think um, that's true. <laughs> I uh, well, and the church is really, really good at at fluff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really good at putting flowers on things, um, and that's just never been who I am. Maybe that's because of where I'm from or my family, or I don't know. But like. I, I don't like the, the BS stuff. Um, I, the last, the last May when I was let go from the, the last church I worked at, they, they, they wanted me to stick around for, uh, another month and, you know, transition it saying like, I, you know, I was, I was given the opportunity to resign and it was my choice. And they wanted me to say a bunch of different things. And I was like, well, that's not real. That's not true. Yeah. That's and not I don't what like, happened. Well, and that's the thing is like, it, you can say it one way, but if, but if it makes it untrue, like, isn't that a lie? Yeah. Isn't that a lie? Yeah. And, and so Which is I, a good thing for pastors to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, Especially like, as youth pastors too. It's, yeah. Youth like, pick up it's, on that. Yeah. It's pretty so upsetting youth, for church leaders great, to say that. Youth have a great BS detector. Yeah. And, and so I, I was very straightforward about, you know, there was, there were some things that had happened and. Uh, the, the senior pastor and I were in a disagreement that wasn't going to be resolved. Um, and I have remained professionally, um, like, like in a professional relationship with him and we get along when we need to talk and all these great things. And he's a great guy. It's just, we got to an impasse in our working relationship that just wasn't going to continue, you know, from his perspective. So, um, you know, it was tough and, and especially when it's like your second time. Cause it had happened yeah, earlier in my yeah. career. Right. Your second time you're like, okay, God, are you telling me to just be done doing this? And, and so there's, there's some more to that wrinkle. Um, was it, was it even asking God? Cause I, I'm just, I, I'm not trying to speak for you. If I was in your shoes, I would have said I'm out for good. Mm-hmm. Like even yeah. I'm, I'm not saying I don't try to listen to God's call cause I do. But I would almost run away from it at that point. Yeah. I'd almost be like, I I can't anymore. Yeah. Well, with the with the first job that I was I was fired from at, at Portland First Christian, I that's how I felt. Like I we actually I I didn't do ministry for probably another year and a half. Um, felt very hurt by that church. Um, there there was a lot of turmoil in that church, and so like it, for me to say it was all like something was aimed at me, like is kind of probably not entirely true at all. There I've were, heard there were that, a that lot was a of, big transition time. There, there were anyway. a lot of yeah. things going on there. They were like, uh, right as I was hired, the senior pastor was uh, let go right before that. And the interim guy was rough around the edges, just trying to keep the church alive and not really a person person. Um, and then the guy that hired, who was the guy who fired me, quit like within a year after firing me which is and he was there for i mean maybe a year and a half and so there's a lot of transition going on there a lot of things internal things wow so it was a like i look at it now like yeah it was really like not a healthy church yeah and i was just kind of chewed up by that and and at the the time though i was like man they you know they they fired me on my daughter's second birthday and I was like, oh, they did that on purpose. Uh, oh, that's right. You told yeah, me that. Yeah. And I, I was oh, all man. bent out of shape about it. And now I look back at it. I'm like, man, yeah, there's some kids from that, from that youth group um, that are some of the, the best people 
uh, I, 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 and I, I don't even know them very well anymore because they're all like 25 and have their own lives. And I think one of them's like living in like Bangkok or something like that. Um, but I still follow them on Instagram. Um, and every now and then I get a chance to talk to one of them or interact with one of them on social media. And it just makes my day. Like I had one of those Facebook reminders of like five years ago. Some of the girls when they were like 20 had come over to our house for dinner. And there's a picture of me and my wife and them because we had walked through high school with them. And, um, it just, it, it brought like just joy. Like there was no residue of like the hurt anymore. Yeah. And so I love that. And so like, I think like, like I've learned in life, like, you know, time does heal things. God does use like things in time to heal. And so like, you know, it, it, it does hurt and you do kind of feel victimized. And, but I think the reason it hurts so much, especially coming like in the, the student ministry realm, um, is because of, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing, um, you know, only one side of it. Like you, we see how much we pour into students and maybe a senior or lead pastor only sees like the kids that show up and the kids that are bought into the program or the, the kids that are bought into their, um, you know, their ministry. Whereas, you know, I'm the one on the phone late at night when a kid's like wanting to kill himself and needs to talk to somebody. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and so they don't see all of it. And so they don't understand how much you've actually poured into it. And so there's like this miss between leadership, like leadership. And, and so when they're at their wits end because of something that went wrong and they have a, like a justified reason, but they didn't see all this other really good stuff that's happened. Well, you know, it's an unfortunate circumstance where we kind of misunderstand each other. And, I, I, you know, the, the reason I didn't walk away from the, the, the second time it happened was because while I was doing youth ministry in that church, I was simultaneously doing young life. So I was doing both things and young life was, um, kind of, kind of growing in a really rapid pace. And, um, and right when I got fired and we were like leaving to go to our young life summer camp in like a month. Uh, and I was busy raising a bunch of money to help kids pay for it. Cause I, you know, the school I work with is in a pretty poverty stricken area. Um, and a lot of kids don't have the money to go to something like a young life camp. And so I was fired and I said goodbye to the students and the families and friends from that church. It was a very emotional time, but on the other side, I still had this whole other ministry happening that I needed leadership. Like it couldn't, I couldn't just like, like, crawl into a hole and drink myself into like oblivion, like in, yeah. in misery out of everything. And so, um, I focused on that and that kind of was like getting my mind off of everything. And, and we had a really successful summer, like really successful at it. Like we were, uh, we were $5,000 short to get to camp. Um, and out of nowhere, some guy who knew a friend of a friend of mine, like gave us $5,000 and yeah, I mean, just like there were some weird prayers that got answered like in weird ways. And I was like that, I like to me, I was like, man, that can't be anything about God just coming through and, and saying, Hey, I, I got you where I, I need you right now. Mm. And so don't, don't quit on this. Don't quit on this. And so that's for me, like, yeah, there was a lot of hurt. Um, and there, and you know, I'm human. There was a lot of, there were a lot of nights where I was really bitter and the only person that ever heard those words and will not repeat them are my wife. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there's things that have been said that I totally shouldn't have said, but luckily it's just in private and 
Uh, I, I don't have to take our them poor back, wives. So. Man. If you do, <laughs> we can we can bleep them out. No, that's cool. I don't need to vent. <laughs> I, I've shared some things with my wife too. Like, yeah. Oh, uh, if everybody else knew these things, you know, yeah. Um, uh, a pastor's wife, man, they're yeah a different breed. Uh, they put up with more than yeah. anybody else, I think. Yeah, but she saved my life like, yeah. more than yeah. once. It's a good, it's a good thing to do. Anyway, I was just um, I was with my therapist earlier today, and she was saying, like. I I kind of dropped a couple of bombs and she said, does your wife know about these things? And I was like, I know that is nothing bad. Just things I've been thinking about. And, and I, I said, well, I, I mean, I feel like that would be too much stress. And she said, yeah, she's there for you. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that you can kind of forget. So, um, it can be, it can be helpful to have someone there. We are, uh, by the way, actually doing a live show now. We have an audience. Uh, Andrew Huck <laughs> <laughs> has has joined us. If we had a fourth mic, I'd, you know, Pretty I'd just man. invite you in. We'll we'll have you on. Uh, your your fiance already said she'll be on, so we'll just we'll just make sure to call you on the same day. And yeah, yeah. Um. So so talk uh, some about Young Life because your ministry has kind of shifted. Yeah. Pretty heavily now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, growing up, I, I actually had no involvement in young life whatsoever. Um, the, the guy I mentioned earlier, Bill Harrod, he, he had some involvement with youth for Christ, I believe. Um, but even then I didn't know what that was. Um, I just knew him as like the youth pastor at the church, you know? And, um, and, um, so when I got to college, I, I started kind of learning more about, you know, parachurch ministries and stuff like YWAM and uh, Youth for Christ and um, Campus Crusade and all those things. And uh, Young Life was one of the names I'd heard, but no one, like I'd never met anybody involved in that. And I just kind of went on my own way, like, okay, I'm going to work in a church. I'm going to stay there. I'm not going to leave. All these thoughts I had. Um, and the the young life thing came out of out of that new harvest church that I worked at they they were big supporters that church is really um full of of good people that really support uh young life in salem and and so there was um initially there was a conversation where i was supposed to meet with an area director uh who sees over like leaders in young life um and i sat down to coffee with them and um, we talked and it seemed like a good thing, but I guess the history with, with young life leaders working with church youth pastors has always kind of been kind of shaky ground. Cause a lot of, a lot of people kind of view it as competition and right. uh, stuff like that. And I, I, I was just being sincere. Like I, I had this amazing, uh, youth facility and tons of resources and I am a very like kind of kingdom minded person. I don't, Right. I, don't, I don't keep my toys to myself. I share. It's always funny um, when there's competition between churches or between ministries and you're like, okay, I get it. But Jesus, right? Like that, <laughs> yeah. we're all, we're all on the same side here. Sure my Jesus is the same Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, for whatever reason, like we never ended up, uh, connecting in that, in that time frame. And so, um, I went home and I, one day, not too long after that, and I hadn't heard from him and and I was like, man, okay, fine. I'm just going to call like Young Life. I'm going to Google Salem Young Life. And I'm just going to call and say, hey, what's happening at this other high school? Because that guy was the area director over uh, a school across town. So you just kind of cold called him. Yeah, I really wow. did. And um, well, it was because the church wanted me to like get in touch. 
Right. And so, I mean, it was a little push from the church, but also at that point I wanted to know more. And so there's a, a high school, not even a mile from my house called McKay high school. And, um, named after Douglas McKay, I believe he's a former governor. I should know that, but I don't, <laughs> um, and it, uh, I could be totally off on that. Don't quote me. Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, I realized it's like less than a mile from my house and I had never even been there as a, as a youth pastor, as a high school youth pastor, I'd never been to that high school. And I was like, that's ridiculous. So I called Young Life. I said, hey, are, do you guys have a club at McKay? Are you guys doing anything at McKay? And I just left a voicemail. And someone called me back like a couple days later and said, hey, yeah, this is uh, Anna. And she she leads the club there and gave me Anna's information. I called Anna. I was at her house two days later and talking about it. And um, they had all these hopes and, and ideas for what they wanted to do the next year. And I was like, hey, I, I have a projector. You need a projector? I have a sound system. You need a sound system? Like, it was like, it just kind of lined up like, like Legos. It just fit, you know? Nice. And, um, and so I started helping out and, um, stepping in where they needed help. And the natural kind of leader in me kind of just was like, just filling in holes. And, um, you know, Anna, Anna went through a lot of stuff, um, going in like about two years into it. And she felt like she needed a transition. Um, and so she, she informed, you know, the powers of the bee. Uh, the area directors of, of Salem that she was going to be stepping down. And they asked myself and another leader if we would co-lead um, to, to replace her. And, um, and originally like the first thought in my head was like, Oh heck no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and same with the other leader. Like, and it wasn't like we didn't like each other or anything like that. It was just like, man, we don't want to take on that responsibility. And I was doing the youth ministry at the church and I was like, it's dumb to do two things like this, like in the back of my head, like the, don't do that. But I had, um, you know, a guy that I had met, met with from my church that it was kind of a mentor, kind of like, um, kind of like that crazy uncle that has a lot of money too. Uh, and he was like, but we could really build, we could really build something here and I'll help you. And his, his name's Clark and Clark's a great how he's, crazy was this uncle? Like, no, he's not did, crazy. He's not crazy. He, oh he, man. I was, once, I was hoping for some good stories. No, he once told me to think of him as the crazy uncle, the crazy rich uncle, which I laughed at. Nice. Um, but he's been a kind of a mentoring, uh, person in my life. And he's a big, he's, he's been involved in a young life in a big way. And so with his mentoring and some, uh, backing from, from friends and networks of his, like we were able to kind of build, McKay young life into something that it's never really been before, which, mm. um, is interesting because when, when Anna left, you know, transition of leadership, even if it's a positive transition, kids, kids will disappear. Right, so our club went from, you know, 20 ish kids down to almost like five, six, seven kids for a season. Uh, and, um, it was, it was weird. I was like, I don't know, God, am I supposed to be doing this one? Like this, this seems weird. Um, but you know, in, in three years or so, we've actually grown so much. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, we had a pool party in, in the end of January that had like 85 kids at it. And a pool party in a, the end of January? Yeah, it was indoor. It was okay. indoor. We have some friends that have an in, in, <laughs> big indoor pool. Um, nah, man, hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Outdoor pool. Polar, <laughs> polar bear pool party. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, and and that was probably the biggest event that we've done, and our average attendance is somewhere between forty and sixty 
at our weekly events now. Um, and we're taking, I think, 47 kids to camp. Wow. Uh, and, and camp and, is the, like the thing for young. Life, yeah. Right? And I yeah. didn't know that when I got into it and, um, it's, it's hard to call it camp even. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've seen some pictures and videos and I'm like, Oh, because it's uh, the theme park maybe. Because <laughs> it's at the, the old Rajneeshi ranch. Right? Yeah. The one in Oregon is, yeah. yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty, um, pretty dope. <laughs> it's, it's basically a resort. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it costs, it costs a lot of money for a kid to go. And so, um, but I didn't, I didn't know all that getting into it. Like I had this, this gal named Amy that went to church with me and she, she had been involved in young life. She's like, Oh, have you been to camp yet? Have you been to camp yet? And I'm like, Amy, calm down. I met Jesus at a summer camp. I know what camp is like. I've helped out at camps and stuff. But you had um, no idea what camp was. Yeah, no, I had like. no idea. Like the young life level of camp is like going to Disney World. Um, you know, like it's, it's just like they cut the grass like perfectly every morning. Uh, they, the people who set the table for, for your meals, like, they have a theology behind where they place the silverware. Like it's legit that detailed. And I didn't know. And so when I came back for the first week of doing camp, uh, I was just blown away, not only by all like the details and the, and the, and the flashy things and the fun things, because there's a lot of that, but the gospel was, was presented in the most clear way mm. a teenager could understand that I've ever seen done. And at that point, I'd been doing student ministry for probably 11, 12 years. And I felt like, man, I thought I knew what I was doing, but man, they, yeah. they blew it out of the water. And I told my wife, I was like, I think, I think for the rest of my life, I will be involved in young life in some capacity. Mm. And she kind of was just like, <sighs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Are you no. sure you couldn't become like a CEO or something? Because <laughs> well, we got bills. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am in the, the approval process of going on staff, which is a good thing. So I can actually make money doing Young Life. Cause well, you've got maintenance in your background, too. So you could cut the grass every I cut, morning. Yeah, true. I have been a, a custodian. It has I, to be yeah. pristine, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I've done, I did that in college and at, at right. Mount Angel. Do they have, do they have yeah. a theology of grass cutting? <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't know. Jesus, if I, Jesus prunes us like <laughs> we cut the grid. This terrible. No, I don't know. But it, no, it's pretty cool. Like they have, I mean, they, you know, they got all the bells and whistles. Um, they have go karts. They have a big, giant, really good ropes course. They have this giant, like pendulum swing you can go on. They have a court. Like they have like two or three quarter mile zip lines off a mountain into a man made lake. They have. It, it is crazy too. Just going yeah. back to the grass, like it's green, <laughs> green grass, and it's in the middle of the desert. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Eastern it's, Oregon. It's in like a hundred square grass. miles of desert, and it's pristine green grass, like <laughs> golf like, course. Green. Yeah, no, it looks. It you, if you look at it from like there's a mountain you can hike up, and you can look at it from a distance. It looks like a golf Do course. Do they like just, helicopter in water? No, they actually they have a <laughs> reservoir that they built. Well, actually, the Rajneeshi built the yeah, reservoir. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. The cult that lived out there before. Um, so. Um, that, that was a lot of infrastructure from that, that, right. that young life used obviously. And well, and then young life, you know, has probably, I don't know how much money young life's raised over the years. I mean, like they have camps like that all over the country and yeah. uh, they're international. So they've, you know, multi, multi, multi millions of dollars that they've gone into their camps. Um, that, you know, they, they, every time they, they put something in, it's about how does this connect the gospel to the kids that are going to experience right. this. Cause like going on the ropes course, like 
you have to face things that you're terrified of. Right. Um, and at the end you have to jump off like from like 30, 40 feet up. Like, and it's about a kid like willing to let go of their hesitation and like actually like can like in like later in the week, they're like, we have everybody in this camp go do that during the week so that you know what it's like to take a jump in life. Would you consider taking a jump in a relationship with Jesus? Like, and they, and they utilized every little bit of what they tie in. All the bells and whistles get utilized. And like, hey, this is similar to what it's like when we say yes to Jesus and no to ourselves and start a, a, a life with God. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that, that's been the story with Young Life. And it, it, it's had its ups and downs, too. Um, and, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens this summer. There's a lot of question marks still uh, in front of me, and I got about a month before we go to camp again. So, yeah. Um, let's go back to McKay a little bit. So, McKay was a governor um, in 1948. He was elected governor. He was also a mayor of um, of Salem before that. And then, wow, you the, know that off the top of your no, head? No, huh? he yeah, googled man. it while I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> Walking encyclopedia here, um, but you, Matt, you know, you and I were talking a little bit earlier this evening. Um, just about the kind of the stigma of McKay high school. And, um, and so speak to that a little bit, like you didn't even really know it was there really, or you weren't involved in it, you know, and it's here in your back door, you know, and so living there in Salem for a couple of years. Um, so so speak to that a little bit. What yeah. what what's ministry like? Because it's not the prestigious school in Salem, am I right? <laughs> it's not. No, um, it is the best school in Salem, but uh, people don't know that. <laughs> um, yeah, just in case any of my students hear this podcast, which probably won't happen, but whatever. Um, we we yeah. we promote these pretty well. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. Well, um, to the high schools students. in Salem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but no. So when I. So this guy, I have to kind of roll the story back a little bit. So when my wife and I first started dating, uh, she lived in Salem. I lived in Eugene still. I was still in college. And um, she came to me like one night, like not super far into the relationship. And we had known each other for a long time, but like we had just started dating and I didn't feel like I had like really any say in like big decisions in her life. And she had this opportunity to buy a house. And cause she had dropped out of school and, uh, started working and had some money. Her dad was in real estate and this is before the recession. Um, and she had this opportunity to buy a house and I was like, Oh, that sounds cool. Do it. Um, I didn't, I didn't like ask, Oh, what's the neighborhood like? Or, Oh, are you going to be there for in the next, you know, 13 years of your life? Uh, none of that like occurred till like my, I was like 22 at the time, like not thinking about it. And, um, you know, and so we, she bought the place and it's, it's, it's a duplex. We, we, and she, she owned one side of the duplex and, uh, and, um, I didn't think much of it. Didn't know the neighborhood, didn't know Salem at the time cause I hadn't lived there. But when we got married, all of a sudden I realized, Oh, I'm moving into that place and I don't know any, like, and so I, we've, and then we've lived there for the last, you know, we've been married for 10 and a half years. So, and I moved in about six months before the, the wedding, she moved in with her grandma while we were getting ready for the wedding. Um, so I've lived there for almost, yeah, like 11 years. And, um, anyways, I was really, it wanted, I was just excited to you know get married and all that. So I wasn't paying too, too much attention to that at first, but as I settled in, I realized that Northeast Salem, which is where our house is, has a lot of criminal activity. Uh, it's not uncommon to hear yeah. a gunshot 
to to hear about someone getting killed uh, in that neighborhood. And it's kind of a bigger, it's a big, you know, place. And, um, but Northeast Salem has, has a stigma about that. And, um, is there something about like North, Northeast? I, because Portland's <laughs> the same way. Like, yeah. the Northeast <laughs> and North. I mean, we've got the stigma for sure. Uh, I don't sense. know. I don't know. Um, but, uh, so I, I kind of grew really unhappy mm-hmm. with living there and especially like we, we got pregnant kind of right away. Um, after kind of right away or right away. Well, our daughter was born nine months to the day of her wedding, <laughs> so right away. Uh, you, you didn't mess around. Yeah, yeah. We we got down to business. You knew but, what um, you were doing. Um, Get down but, to business. Yeah, I um, do. Baby time. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and uh, I, you know, as a dad and a, a guy, I was like, man, I don't want my kids to be in a crime ridden neighborhood and. You know, I'd grown, I'd grown up like in a, a pocket of, of a decent little neighborhood in a rough city in Tacoma. Um, and so like, I didn't want my kids to be around that. Like I, you know, I had cars broken into, uh, bikes stolen all my life. And I was like, I don't want that to happen to my kids. And I was like, if we stay here, that's going to happen to my kids. And, and, um, so I was really, I was kind of bitter because like once I was coming to those realizations and wanted to do more that's when the recession hit and our house went underwater. Right. And so there was no way of getting out of the neighborhood. Uh, and I was really mad. I was mad at, at, like, at my wife at first, which it's not really her fault in any way. It's kind of but yours, I, it sounds like. I was, it's kind of mine. <laughs> yeah. I told her, yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, and uh, so we were kind of stuck there and I felt really miserable with that. I was mad at God about it and all this stuff. And, and that's when, when I was, talking to young life and trying to figure out, okay, well, well then I realized all oh, this high school's right here. Like God was like, don't you get it, man? Like mm. there's thousands of teenagers in your neighborhood, in this community that you've been in for however many years now, like mm. that you can speak to. Um, and so, um, definitely, um, had a heart for it like right away. And yeah. so the stigma of McKay being, uh, from a rough neighborhood, it, you know, unfortunately it's true there, you know, I think it was maybe 15, 18 years ago, there was a security guard that was stabbed there, uh, during like some sort of altercation with some gangs and, and gangs do exist there. There are kids that go there that are in gangs and there are drugs. And, uh, but at the same time, like you go to any major high school, I bet you can find those things. Yeah. Or even, uh, you know, I think a lot of private Catholic schools even oh, are going to yeah. have those things. Oh man. I remember, I'm not going to name names, but I went to a private Christian high school and I found a bag of weed in someone's backpack once. I mean, the drugs are was, in all schools. Was like, that person's name Matt? Just, <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> nope. And that person's name will never be spoken. Uh, but, uh, we'll bleep him out. Yeah. Um, I remember I was trying to borrow a pen from him. And he was like, yeah, it's in that back pocket. And I like opened it. I was like, what's this? And I, I had never seen weed yeah. in my life. And like, which is, you know, that's how white I am. Right. But like, um, I thought it was like pencil shavings and like and like leaves i was like what are you doing with it's this just what basil he's, he's like he's, he's a like, chef he's like put that away man like I was like, oh. and i realized later i was like oh okay but yeah no i mean like that's the thing was like in any school you're gonna find kids that have a connection to yeah something if it's yeah. if it's not gangs it, it, drugs are in every school yeah and and so when i first started helping out at mckay it was it was yeah i felt very outside because i'm you know I, I think I was maybe 28 at the time, um, 
28-year-old white dude not from Salem trying to go into the school, which is, you know, roughly like, you know, 89, 90% Latino. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that was a weird experience. But I immediately identified with, like, being looked at as, like, as, like, the lesser thans, the, the, mm. the, the, the never-haves. Um, and part of that was probably where I grew up, like Tacoma, Washington is viewed as like a really ghetto kind of city from a lot of like the Seattle people or Portland people. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big city in its own right, but it's looked at as like less than. And so I've always kind of had that chip on my shoulder. I was like, no, no, there's good in that. There's great in that. And so for me, when I stepped into McKay, like it took a long time before kids really kind of trusted me but you know now it's like when i walk into like a lunchroom and there's you know 1500 kids like their kids shouting my name from across the room like hey come talk to me my friends like um and i don't even have to bribe them with pizza anymore uh which i used to have to yeah <laughs> but no i like i like that place and there's a lot of kids there that get they get um they get a stigma put on them by the community that's not yeah. fair yeah they're i mean um what we were talking about earlier was, you know, there's a kid that was shot and killed because of some gang activity. Um, and the headline was McKay student shot and killed, you know, in, in, I remember that kind of, it was shocking. Like I had two students that lived like almost yeah, next door. The to shooting wasn't at the school. Yeah. Right? It wasn't at the school. It was at an apartment complex where uh, it was like a couple miles from the school yeah. and some of my students lived in that complex. And so I was more worried about them. Like, Hey, are you guys yeah. all right? Do you know this kid? Um, and it, and, and it, you know, it turned out it was from some shady stuff and, um, the guy that, you know, they caught the guy and that's good and all that. And then, but when someone from a K does something super successful, there's a kid named Raul Marquez who is just like, like I, you know, he's just amazing kid. Like he's in high school and he's raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to open a youth, uh, homeless shelter in Salem oh. because the shelters in Salem, they'll let you have your kids with you. If you're a homeless family until they're 12, but after you're 12, they can't stay in the shelter. And so where do those kids who are 12 to 18 go? Because they can't get into a shelter themselves until they're yeah. 18. And so his thought was like, man, we need to have a transitional place for those kids. This is a, this is a 18 year old man. That's like, just killing i saw him earlier today and he's just like walking around shaking hands with like community leaders and just he's a and he's a he's a band geek and he's an awesome awesome uh musician um but just cool kid he's not even part of my club but i just really respect that kid um and but when when they report on him you know with a shooting it's a mckay student killed blah 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 um but when they report like you know area student has raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for homeless mm. you know they don't want to say oh mckay like like when mckay does something good it's like oh local student did this right. by the way they go to mckay and when when something bad happens like oh mckay student did this well, a couple of years ago we had a kid that was part of young life sort of he had only come to a couple of things and i knew him i had a relationship with him and um he graduated and in the fall he killed us he killed someone in the drive-by because he was he's was gang affiliated and it wasn't like, you know, like the everyday demeanor of this kid, you would never think he could do that. But, it, mm. but I, I'd, I'd seen him snap a couple of times, uh, during, during high school, I'd seen him get in a fight right in front of me. And I was like, yeah, like, I believe that kid could do that. But like that kind of thing is what McKay gets known for is like the, mm. the few kids that are, uh, you know, unfortunately they're in bad situations that make bad choices and decisions because of it. Um, 
instead of the kids who are just like future leaders of America, like this kid Raul, yeah. like he's gonna he's going places like so. And there's a lot more kids like him than there are of like those bad apples. And but but you know for whatever reason, there's been like a history that in that community, you know, you don't want to go to that school. Like there yeah. there are a lot of parents who pull their kids out of public school and they send them to like the the Catholic school right next door or the Christian school down the street. Yeah. Or they transfer them to like the school on the other side of town just because they don't want them to go to that school. Yeah. And it's, it's a, yeah. it's an unfortunate thing. Yeah. We've, we've seen that, you know, in North Portland and have been a product of that e- even as well in my own life. Um, but it's, it's cool, Matt, you know, like listening to you talk about, talk about that there's a shift like there's a passion there's a love and that's evident you know as you speak where it's not saying we need to take mckay and we need to change it you know and infuse it with you know good white people um you know or you know infuse it with some kind of success driven kind of mentality but you have seen the value in it as it as it is you know like just love the relationships the people like there is something there is something special about that, you know, that like, as you speak about McKay high school, like there's pride there, you know, that you have that I, three or four years ago, I imagine that that wasn't there, you know, or when you, what, when your daughter was first born, you're like, wait, I don't want to be associated with this. Um, but to kind of come complete circle and to, to really live into that, I think to, to own that. And, um, I think for me personally, there's there's similar stigma with North Portland. You know, St. John's is, um, you know, growing up here in the 80s and 90s, that was the place you did not want to be. Um, it has kind of shifted and changed, and, and a lot of people are being infused and moving into North Portland. It's becoming a little bit more hipster. But even still in all of Portland, like, we're kind of the stepchild of Portland. Um, well, and, and it's only becoming that like a place that people want to be because different folks are moving in. Yeah. So, um, which is, but there's, problematic in there's itself. this, and, and I've talked to so many people who are like, yeah, I, I want to get out of this place. Like I don't, I I'm here just kind of for now, but I, man, I, I want to die here. Um, not that I want to die, but, um, <laughs> I want to spend like my entire life here in North Portland. Like there's a love for it and a passion. It's like, man, there, I I know we're not the Lake Oswego or the West Lynn. And you know, I thank God for that every day. But, um, but the, there's a pride in, mm-hmm. in kind of where we are, who we are. And, um, yeah. And, yeah. and we don't have to be looked down upon. Like we have a ton to offer and, you know, and yeah. McKay obviously has a ton to offer. Salem and really, you know, our, our state and, and our country, it sounds like, yeah. um, it's funny. Cause we had Jay on, uh, I mean, quite, yeah, a while, quite a while ago. And he, he said to me, I don't think he said it on the podcast, but he said to me, like, I could do really well in the suburbs. I, I could yeah. have a church of two, 300. Cause he did. He right, had a church of Iowa. that many. But he said, God didn't call me there. God called me here. And it sounds like you had your own wrestling with that. Like, yeah. God, I, you could do really well and would um, have a comfortable, happy family in the, in the safe 
suburbs, but God called you to a place because there are people who need, uh, who, who need Jesus there and who are loved by God and who are given this stigma that frankly is pretty unfair. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess all I have to say to that is like, you know, like that's, that's Jesus, isn't it? Like that's what right. God does. He He looks at us and all of, all of our mess yeah. and says, no, you're worthy. Right. And I love you. And yeah, like, when, yeah. Did, when did Jesus actually end up in Jerusalem? Not till the end. Right. He was, he <laughs> right. was in the places with the stigma. Yeah. Man, we have a, just a massive audience now <laughs> Two. <laughs> How you doing, Larissa? Larissa? Good. Good. No, it's great. It's great. We we told Andrew we'll have we'll have you both on soon. Uh, so it happens it's, when we park it's in fun. Front we've of your never we've never had a live show before. And and two is by a mile our biggest audience, so that's that's fun. <laughs> uh, well let's wrap up. Yeah. You want to close this out, David? Yeah. Um, well, gosh, we we could talk for so much longer, but uh, this is this has been a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, man. Well, I, I, not I, only coming on, but coming up. Yeah, yeah that's true. Well, you, you did off, you did off, you did offer me food, but that didn't happen. So. <laughs> Sorry, right. that's true. I'm just messing that's with true. You. We gave you nothing. Can I can I say one thing though? Yeah, please. Um, you know, I I heard you know i'm friends with you guys i've been friends with you guys for a long time and i heard about the podcast because i'm friends with you mm-hmm. and i and i listened to a couple episodes and i really really dig the idea of the podcast i think you guys are on to something cool and, and something that needs to be spoken about and um this kind of ties into like what i've been doing with mckay and young life and that ministry is um you know a churchy word that gets thrown out at least in my circles it gets thrown out a lot is provenience God's going out before us yeah. into Ooh, the word. school and, and he's going out into the neighborhood. He's going out into your community. He's going out into your high school and wherever. And our, you know, for me, like unsuccess is not getting fired from my jobs. Right. Unsuccess is for, is me knowing that God's out in the school, speaking into the lives of kids and calling me to come do that with him and then not listening to it that is unsuccess. And and so while I have messed that up too at times, like I, I have to, for me, like that is what drives me is like, I want to listen to what God's calling me to yeah, do and where he's, yeah. where he's going before me. And so when I walk into a room full of, you know, 1500 high school kids that look at me as a weird white dude, like, uh, who are you? Like, I know God's in that room and right. he's got kids who are waiting to get to know me and hear about him and how much he loves them. Yeah. The thing, the thing about success, if you look at the etymology that I just learned this last week, um, is success is, is going after something. And so success is just the de- by definition, or it comes through the Latin as I think all of our language does. Um, but there's something on our part on this going, going after. And I think of that, like mm. our role as as pastors and really as, as humans, I think as people of God is not to pursue things that we want to, but it's to pursue after God. Um, and really maybe not even pursue after God, but like open, open our eyes, open our ears to what God is doing and to what God is kind of beckoning us to. And so it's less action on our part and more just like, 
oh yeah, God is doing this. It's this mm. grace bit where he's yeah. calling us towards. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's another reason why like I push against this notion, this idea and this word, the language of success that we use because yeah. success seems to be, well, we've tried to redefine it in our culture. Yeah, and that's it's still about us, though. Yeah. Like, man, no, God has called us to something different. And it's not about pleasing us. It's not about pleasing other people. It's not about, you know, hitting a certain ma- metrics, you know, or or kind of, um, you know, having certain kind of parameters that we kind of measurable um, marks. But, it, dude, it's just being obedient and and opening our eyes to to God, to what God is doing. And because that looks totally different. Sometimes that, that is, sometimes God calls us to what the world would say is success. Um, like sometimes that's the case. And I do think God, like God has ministries in the suburbs that like that are of God. I can't fault that, you know? And then there are some, you know, inner urban, inner city, urban core kind of ministries that are complete failures as far as the world is driven, but that's of God too. Mm-hmm. And, and so this, what God has called us to is something completely other. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, that's a great reminder, you know, just to, to be open, to, to see, um, to discern where God is at work um, rather than you know, pursuing after our ideas and our dreams. Right. Right. And it's, it's hard because uh, often we get so excited about our dreams and we think, Oh, God's telling me to do that. (laughs) That's, that's where, that's where discernment is so difficult. And um, that's where depression comes from. Yeah. Right. Right, Exactly. Um, So, so it, it takes, uh, it takes a lot of uh, personal work on our part and a lot of, um, a lot of really, really seeking after God, a lot of listening. It's, it's tough stuff and I appreciate you so much for coming on. Cause it sounds like you've been through so much of that and, um, and continue to go through that and man, like the, the Christian life hmm. is, I mean, it's pretty warped for our culture. A lot of times I think, um, uh, yeah, a lot of sermons tend to be just motivational speeches and whatnot, <laughs> but, um, but the Christian life, um, so much of it needs to be about listening to God and following after God. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate your story and, and the ways in which you've, uh, failed at that and learned through that. So. Um, where can people find you online? Are you on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, uh, Instagram? I hate Snapchat. I am on all of those things. <laughs> I don't have one single username though, because I'm dumb. That's uh, fine. But uh, yeah, my name's Matthew Hendrickson. I'm in Salem, Oregon. I'm not hard to find on Google. Yeah, and then look, 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 um, look to support Matt through Young Life. Um, yeah for real uh he's 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 fundraising like crazy and if you want to support the work that he does because it's it's really amazing work and when we talk about stigma um that that's real (laughs) and and that really happens and it's so much easier to get support at um at a church or at a in a area of town that is quote unquote nicer or safer or whatever. And so, um, 
Yeah. He, he's working hard, and so if you want to support him, uh, do that. We'll have find him online. Yeah, we'll we'll try to have a link in the bio. Um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know if we'll remember to be real here, completely real. We've dropped five episodes, and I'm pretty sure this is number 14 that we've shot. So it's going to be a while before this comes out. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. It wasn't to market what I do. It was to talk about God and, and what, right. what he's doing. So right. Thanks, and guys. really, we're the unsuccess podcast, and we shouldn't be marketing you, but we are. <laughs> That's the, yeah, I like it. I like it. If I mean, you if you want to find us, we want to keep bio. keep the conversation going. Uh, we're on Unsuccess Pod on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. We're again not on Snapchat because I hate Snapchat. It's I know you're old. It was it it wasn't it wasn't awful, but like the only person I snapchatted with was my sister and there's only so many times you can use the dog filter before it's not <laughs> fun anymore. <laughs> No. So I I deleted it from my phone. Um, All right. Uh, well, thanks for tuning in, man. Absolutely. And giving us an hour or letting us speak for an hour into your life. And Matt doing, did most of the talking, I, I think. I think. You're doing good, good here. Well, this is a good ending. For the Unsuccess Podcast, I'm David. And I'm Josh. And this has been the Unsuccess Podcast. We will see you next time.